It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. It's 6.07 and 95.5 WSB. This is Saturday morning's Lawn and Garden Show. You betcha. I'm Walter Reeves of Georgia Gardener alongside Ashley Frasca. Hello. The newly appointed host of the <laughs> whatever it's going to be. And frankly, right now, I don't want to know the name of the show. Don't tell me. I don't even know if it's appropriate to say it yet because it's, right. it's 97 percent set, but that 3% is kind of in limbo. We need to wait on that. Mm -hmm. But as many people know, I have announced my retirement and will no longer be hosting the show. Ashley will take over hosting the show, but I'll still be around. I'll be doing segments with her during her show and still be available on our website and newsletter and things like that. So I just won't be here Saturday morning. So what you're saying is the main thing that changes is you get to sleep in on Saturdays. That's the main thing that changes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Good. And you get to come in every Saturday morning. Yep. Well, so, I've been doing it for eight years, so, so it kind of feels the same. Yeah. And you do it during the week, too, so you're really used to it. This I is make the early. joke, Monday through Friday, I get up before 3. Yeah. So on Saturdays, I'm like, oh, I get to sleep in until like 4.30. So, I mean, 4.30 a.m. is sleeping yeah. in for me on really a Saturday. Nice. Really nice. But Sunday... You better not mess with me. My ringer's <laughs> off. My phone's off. Like, I need to sleep till at least 8 on Sundays, guaranteed. Right. I will not call ever, ever, ever on Sundays. <laughs> By the way, this morning at the 8, let me call it 8.40, so we're going to have story time. Ooh. We're going to tell stories. Yes. So check it out. Stay Make sure you keep some that. coffee yeah, ready for yeah. the 8.30 half hour. 8.30 half hour. Story time will be there. Actually, one of the things that woke me up this morning, 4 a.m. in the morning, weeds. Because oh, you would no. think the host of a lawn and garden show would have lots of, uh, you know, nice beds and lawns and grass and things like that. Mr. Reeves is covered up in chickweed. Oh, no. Mr. Reeves has a mat of chickweed an inch thick all over his front lawn. And I was thinking at 4 a.m., what am I going to do? Dad, going, it's cold. I remember we had this conversation back in, in October and September. It was, it was dry, and so people didn't want to put their pre-emergent out then. I should have then, and I told people one or two days that we had rain. Uh, I said, this would be a great time to put your pre-emergent out before the rains come. Did I do it? No. no. So what am I going to do? Post-emergent. Post-emergent, exactly. Exactly. Well, what post-emergent? But, yeah, chickweed's not really considered broadleaf. So is. Is it broadleaf? Okay, then 2,4-D. It may not be be real broad, but it's oval. So anything oval or square, anything not a grass, it's called broadleaf. Yeah. Now, I've seen in my neighborhood a lot of neighbors that have, um, you know, newly seeded fescue. They probably did it in the fall, and it's real lush right now. But the weeds are starting to come up that are kind of mm-hmm. tall. And if you let them go long enough, they start to have a purple flower at the top. What are yeah. those? Uh, it could be either henbit or chickweed. Henbit. They look very similar to each other, frankly. Okay. But any of those broad-leafed weeds and the henbit and chickweed have it start getting big enough to notice. They'll come in late February, probably first of March. But any of those broad-leafed weeds, what we should do, what I should do, maybe even if I get to it this weekend— is to spray with a three or four way, what's called a three or four way post emergent, you said it, weed killer. And I'll spray that. And there's three brands that are commonly available. You got the Bonide uh, Weed Beater Ultra, you got the uh, Ortho Weed Beater Weed Be Gone Max, and the BioAdvanced Season Long Weed Control. BioAdvanced Season Long Weed Control, right? Blue Bottle. 
And so any of the th- three of those would do fine to control chickweed. Now, it's cold, so it's going to be slow. Mm-hmm. So since I'm going to New Zealand next week, I'm thinking if I spray today, then when I get back from New Zealand in a couple of weeks, all my weeds will be dead. That'd be nice. Let it work for you while you're away. I'm hoping this will happen. Again, it is slow, slow, slow. Even Roundup, even something that is uh, normally pretty quick in making a plant unhappy, uh, even Roundup in temperatures like this, the <clears throat> 40s and 30s is going to be really slow to make anything happen because all these chemicals that kill weeds, and I'll get to the organic ones in just a minute, but all these chemicals that kill weeds have to be absorbed into the cells of the of the weed. And so if it's real cold, the weed's not photosynthesizing much, and so the chemical just sort of sits there and does its thing slowly. So that's something great that you could be doing in the landscape this weekend, and it is going to stay dry enough today to where you have time to apply that and not be wasting your efforts if it's just going to rain and wash it all away. But you don't have to apply a weed killer if you don't want to. You can dig things up. Mm -hmm. It's a perfectly good organic way of controlling weeds. I do that to a point. With some things, manual removal, I mean, nothing's more rewarding than like with the spading, you know, shovel popping a dandelion out because you get the taproot too. I mean, that's great to get the whole thing. But once you're overtaken with them, maybe... uh, Post-emergence, so that's also organic post-emergent herbicides too. There's some that are made out of uh, citrus oil. This is a herbicidal soap. There's another one that is uh, real concentrated iron. Of all things, iron is absorbed by broadleaf plants a lot more and more readily than it is by grasses. The grasses like it, and they'll do fine with a lot of iron on them. Broadleaf plants, if you put iron on a broadleaf plant like chickweed when it's young, henbit when it's young, they turn black oh, wow. and die. Oh, and that's gosh. great. Yeah. So there's organic herbicides as well as chemical synthetic herbicides you can use. Are the organic ones selective, though, too? Or are they going to know not to the kill the grass is, around yeah, it? Yeah, the okay. iron one is the mm, good point. The citrus ones and the herbicidal soap, no, they're non-selective. So. Huh. Yeah, if you, by the way, if you need a list of those organic herbicides, I have a whole page devoted just to that at my website, WalterReese.com. Just to go to the website, WalterReese.com, and then in the search bar, type organic weed killers. I'll give you exactly what you need to know. Ready to go to, ready to, go to the phones? Let her rip. All right, let her rip. Let's go to the <laughs> phones right now. Who we got there first in line? Oh, I know this person. Her name is uh, Nicole in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole, good morning and welcome to Lawn and Garden. Mr. Reeve. Hey Mr. there. Oh, hey. Ashley. What's blooming, Mr. Reeve? Uh, not the hen bit yet. <laughs> My uh, Daphne is blooming. The Mahonia is blooming. What else is blooming? I mean, my tea olive has been. Yeah. What's, Daffod- what, what's blooming Daffod- in Griffin? Daffodil. Daffodil. We've gotten bit. some photos from people who's are already up, yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not the cold, it's the length of the cold, is it, Mr. Reeve? You mean during the day or on the plants, or what do you mean? Oh, and we had 20s this week. Uh, we had 20s at night about three three days in a row. Yeah, you're right. If you have a long period of like several hours or a day that's all below freezing, that's a lot more damaging to a plant than if you just have a, an hour or so where it drops down, boop, and it drops back, or it goes back up again and gets out of the freezing zone. You're right. It's the length of the time. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a big compost. Um, it's a big uh, plastic container with a, a, a steel cage around it. Yeah. And I have this. It's already full. And uh, I've been uh, having this container for a good 10 years. And I never drained the water or anything yeah. because um, uh, I, I knew we need a lot of water. 
uh, there's a valve underneath, and I opened the valve, and uh, I put the bucket underneath. Mm -hmm. And my great surprise, the water is almost clear. Oh, it should be brown. Compost tea is almost always brown. No, this water was clear, and it was. If you were desperate, you would drink it. Well, maybe you desperate, maybe Ashley, but not. No, well, maybe I would if I was desperate. Well, one thing I can think of, Nicole, is that compost tea most often is done by soaking compost for a while, and so if the rainwater is just going right through the compost pile to the bottom then the rainwater might not pick up much color or much nutrition, either one, from the compost itself. So maybe that's what's to be expected, that you would see clear water coming through because it just didn't stick around long enough to get anything, any nutrients. Um, my thinking is um, uh, because, you know, uh, we have a lot of pollution, and if it sits down enough, uh, the, the the green stuff's going to clean the water, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, if you want it to, to to decompose more rapidly, Nicole, why not turn it a couple of times? The more oxygen you get into a compost pile, the faster it decomposes. So you could get a little pitchfork out there and turn things over, and it would decompose a little faster. And don't let it get soggy wet because that inhibits decomposition, but maybe put a little cover over the top. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, I was just surprised because I taste the water, and um, like I said, I didn't I didn't touch it for a good ten years, and I said it's about time to uh, uh, move stuff around and empty it and uh, put another. Yeah, you know, certainly with spring coming on, you need to you need to empty it out and get some space to put more compost, more weeds that you pull, things like that. And you can use the compost where it's decomposed at the bottom of your barrel. You can use that to dig into your flower beds and things like that. Oh, it's great stuff whenever you uh, you uh, take a shovel and put it around your plants. It's, uh, um, it's, it's alive. I mean, the real thing that's great about compost is that it is alive. It is uh, a mass of organic matter and fungi and bacteria. They're all they're chewing on each other trying to decompose and, and digest stuff. The heat that's generated yeah, is just really Gosh, something. Yeah, that's funny to see, see a compost pile steaming mm -hmm. on a cool morning. But the... Bacteria, the fungi that are in there, Nicole, because they are alive, they have to poop. No other way to say it. They have to poop. And when they poop, if you've ever had a baby's diaper, you know that sometimes poop can be sort of sticky. Now, those of you who are listening right now who are eating breakfast, I want to stop for just a moment here. But when you have sticky poop, it glues things together. And so it glues particles of clay, particles of sand, particles of silt together and makes little balls. And those balls, when they're glued together admit pores, and then you have pores in the soil. And what does the plant want? Pores in the soil. So by having bacteria and fungi in your compost and introducing them to your regular soil, you are helping to glue little balls of soil together and give your plants holes that you grow in. So what's the pH would be? Oh, it depends. It depends on what stage of the composting process uh, it is. I think the first at least the first week or two it's going to be pretty high, and then it drops down as the bacteria and fungi start uh, excreting things and then it comes back up to neutral. Uh, it depends on the stage, basically. All right, all right. All right. It's 618. You know, we got to go right now. But Nicole, it's been wonderful to talk to you this morning. Mr. Reed, yes, the, dear. The, the best is yet to be. Well, I hope so. I will see you, I'll see you next Saturday, but I'll talk to you real soon, Nicole. Thanks for being my friend and thanks for being on there this morning.
Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. At 618, we'll be back after this. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Lawn and Garden with Walter Reeves and Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. And we're back on Lawn and Garden at 624. Ashley Frasca with Walter Reeves. Want to give you a weather update sponsored by Finley Roofing. Today, a mix of sun and clouds. We're dry out a little bit today. A high near 50, lows in the lower 30s. And tomorrow, 40% chance of rain, mostly cloudy. A few evening showers, high of 53, low of 42. Your complete weather forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. And if I'm not mistaken, you requested the song, Walter. I did, the Mission Temple Fireworks Stand. All the preachers up there with a bottle of rocket in his hand. Paul Thorne, yeah, that's a former Mission the pastor standing there with a bottle rocket. <laughs> okay. Jason this morning said, I like it already. Take me to church. Yeah. Let's go to the phone. Peg is in Tucker, Georgia. She wants to get rid of the ivy on her on her lot. Hey, Peg, good morning. Hi, Walter. How hey. are you? We're fine. Thanks, Peg. Uh, I've been working in the backyard in the woods, and I got the ivy off the trees. And I got most of it off the fence and got the fence repaired. Now I'm ready. I've got it all over the ground and trees everywhere, but I'm ready to put the pass in. And we're talking English ivy, right? Not poison we ivy. Are. Okay, yes, thank absolutely. goodness. I was going to say, A, be careful when working in the woods of poison ivy, although it's not really out right now. But with that, Peg, I think you've you've done a lot of the legwork now wherever you want to clear you know, for the path to go, mow it, use a weed whacker, something that you're going to be able to form the shape of the path that you want. And over time, you're going to have to, you know, battle the ivy, maybe use railroad ties or something to line the path, make it a little more difficult for it to just creep in. But over time, just using maybe Roundup at those edges or something like that. But initially, just clearing that ivy out with a mower, some some machinery is going to make it a lot easier on you. Well, Ashley, do you foresee uh, ground you know, a uh, dirt path, or is it? would there be something that I could put on it that would help kill the ivy uh, that's not, uh, not, what he, not what Walter already talked about this morning? It, it depends. Like, I mean, in the woods, I would see a more natural path. You know, I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. do pavers or anything like that. Dirt and wood chips may be yeah. fine. That might smother out the ivy a little bit. Or if... Depending on how formal you want the path to look, what about black landscaping cloth, kind of setting that down and then maybe Covering mulching or dirt or something? Because yeah. well, that would I choke out that some of the ivy. bad stuff. I thought that didn't work. Well, it doesn't to do to prevent weeds on top. You have to do some maintenance. I don't much care for the landscape parrot myself. I, there's some places put... where you do use it, and that's one of them here to put it over the ivy to slow it down and put some dirt on top of that mm-hmm. to slow it down even further. Oh, put dirt on it, not yes. rocks. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, dirt would be good. And I mean, over time, you know, years and years, that, that felt is going to start to you know deteriorate as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, for the time okay. being, that may, that may be good enough for you. All right. Thank you oh. very much. You good luck, Peg. Thanks. Thanks so much for calling. 627 at 95.5 WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. 
Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. It's 636 at 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener, alongside Ashley Frasca, the newly appointed and greatly anticipated host of whatever it's going to be next Saturday morning. <laughs> Jewelry, traffic, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what we're going to do. Well, she has an idea what she's going to do. And remember, I have not, this is great, I have not been involved at all in the planning for Ashley's new gardening show. And so I am waiting with great anticipation, as much as any other audience member is, just to see what's going to happen. We I, The cog wheels have just been moving furiously yeah. for two months, so we have come up with some great, great ideas. And yeah. I'm just out and about different days, most days of the week, and I, you've got that notes section on your iPhone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, great idea. Got to write that down. <laughs> or just met this really cool person. Got to write right. that down. So it's all so much in my head that I have to pace myself. Yeah. like. I could potentially be doing this show for years, probably not 26, but years. Yeah. So just pace yourself. You've got a lot of good ideas. It doesn't all have to be done in the first month. We need you to know. repeat our number. You know, we've never have repeated our phone number yet this morning. 404-872-0750. You get your lawn and garden question answered by Walter Reeves for free. Right here, right now. Right. Never That's charge. Right. Never, <laughs> never price. You for can. any of you that were charged in the past, we sincerely nice apologize. At Pike Nursery because they are indeed our sponsor. We love them to death. So if you want to pay us back for all the free information you get, go to Pike Nursery. That's really a nice compromise. Yeah. That's great. That's the way it works. Yeah. The way it always works. And if you don't know where a Pike Nursery is, if you're new to the Atlanta area or just have never really paid attention and you want to get into gardening now, pikenursery.com, you'll find the location nearest you. Yeah. One of the things that I think is important for me at this time of year is sort of to look around at holes in the landscape. You know what I mean? Places you either something's died or you've put a plant in there, it's sort of petered out and it's not doing so well or it wasn't the right choice or it's the right color. And one of the things that I, it's not a hole exactly, it's just that in one area of my yard, I don't have anything blooming. And that really bothers me right mm-hmm. now because I've got camellias in one corner, I've got uh, mahonia in another corner, but I don't have something in the near foreground. And I need to be small, about three or four feet tall. Daphne would be a good idea there. Yeah. I'm blooming right now. Ooh, what a good idea. Yeah. Daphne would be good. Um, I look around and see if i got some other things too, but that's one of the benefits of having wintertime is to be able to... Look and see if there are changes you need to have to make your landscape more interesting in the winter. It needs to be interesting both in the winter and in the summer and in the spring. And thank goodness, here for the last few years, we have had mild enough winters. I mean, there is always something blooming. Twelve months out of the year, there's always something that you can have in the landscape to enjoy. But with the mild winters, we've gotten kind of lucky, yeah. really. It hadn't frozen anything really severely mm-hmm. down. Yeah, everything you know, comes back. One more and... thing that you can do during the wintertime is look up in the trees because there's so much more to notice about the structure of your landscape trees and whether you've got divided trunks or dead limbs or just things that you might want to take care of sooner, sooner rather than later. And during the wintertime, when the leaves are off of the trees, you can see the structure a lot more easily. So just wandering around, keep your eyes up and not down, and you see things. And for the last week or two, I've really enjoyed seeing a red-shouldered hawk oh, really? in my backyard. Really? Yes. Otherwise, probably would never see him. Right. And he just happened to kind of fly low and fly by and then go back up to a tree. And now I've kind of looked at that same tree for him to be hanging out. But he was so distinct. His 
His chest is so brown, like a reddish brown, mm-hmm. and then the wings are black and white. So when he had his full wingspan out, you know, that's really when I noticed the black and white going through the woods. But, I mean, you could see the owls now. You could be looking out for hawks. I've seen a falcon yeah. in my cherry tree in the front. So the bigger birds, you'll notice with the leaves off the trees. Pretty neat. Absolutely. What I do want to f- see, which Mickey Gasaway has actually been able to identify in her trees from time to time, a hummingbird nest. And they're so tiny, I just don't even know how you'd be able to see one, but I've never seen one. Barely the size of a tennis ball. Yeah, and she's identified them like multiple times in her yard, and I just can't do that. There's the moss and lichens and things, and they're just tiny, tiny, tiny little things. Let's go to the phones. We've got David and coming again, our phone number, 404-872-0750. And David, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello. Hello. I just wanted to ask you about Bermuda grass. I have Bermuda grass, and it's dormant now, but I've got a bunch of weeds growing in it. I was wondering if I could spray that weeds with Roundup. Would that kill my Bermuda grass? David, I make no guarantees, but I will tell you that you're gambling a little bit because you have to really get down on your hands and knees. This is what the golf course people would do is they send their – Lowest employee, basically, the kid who makes not, not much money. And say, Johnny, go out there and look and see if the Bermuda grass is dormant yet. And Johnny would get down on his hands and knees and pull the grass apart. And you see the brown on top, of course, David. And then underneath that, Johnny would look and see how much green Bermuda grass is growing right down close to the soil level. If it's just a little bit, Johnny would say, all right, Bows, we can we can spray the Roundup on it. But if Johnny saw long grass blades of Bermuda grass going up in the brown, he said, boss, we've got too much Bermuda that's green out here. The Roundup will absorb it, and it'll kill everything on this green. Let's don't do it today. So, David, you have to do the same thing. You've got to figure out whether the Bermuda is really dormant all the way down to the ground or whether it's just the top half inch or so. Okay. Wow. Well, if I don't use Roundup, what could I use? Hmm, a shovel. A trowel, or mm-hmm. this is a broadleaf weed. Earlier this morning, we were talking about spot spraying with a broadleaf weed killer, and you could do that. So if it's just patches here and patches there, broadleaf weeds, not grassy things, but broadleaf weeds, David, you could use the Bonide Weed Beater Ultra or the Weed Be Gone or something like that to spray just the spots. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Now, be careful, David. Because I have <laughs> I have slides. I have pictures uh, that are really, <laughs> really funny. Make people laugh all the time when I show them. And it's a picture. It looks like a snake basically going across somebody's yard. And it's a snake composed of dead grass in a green lawn. And I said, what do you think happened here? And everybody says, it was some guy who sprayed Roundup on his Bermuda when it was not dormant. And you can see where he walked and where he stopped oh, and where he sprayed no. the spots of weeds. It's like a big snake riding through the yard. So, David, don't yeah. let you be that person in coming. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, David. We'll see you soon, man. Now, Walter, a question about the dormancy of Bermuda, though. Yeah. Are there certain years where it, I don't know what would accelerate the process of dormancy. Like, I mean, are there certain years that yeah. most Bermuda grasses in Georgia would absolutely, without question, be 100% dormant? Or are you saying there might be a chance of that, you know, the green sprigs down below because mm-hmm. it's been a little more mild, or does that have nothing to do with it's it? All, Bermuda's yeah, going to go dormant regardless. It's all temperature-related. It's all temperature-related. So the colder it is, the more dormant it is, and the warmer or more temperate it is, and the more likely it is it's still growing down somewhere close to, but still above the soil surface. And so there's no substitute for Johnny going out there and looking at the grass, going down deep and on his hands and knees and pulling the grass apart. You can't just say, oh, it's brown, so it's dormant. 
Same with zoysiagrass. Oh, it's brown. It's a stormant. No, it's not. It can be green down close to the ground. And Roundup can't tell the difference between anything green, and it will go and, you know, perhaps kill your grass. Okay. Thanks. Temperature, temperature, temperature make all the difference in the world. I mean, there's been years when we've had snow in December and really cold temperatures in December, and that would maybe more likely begin a streak yeah, where yeah. it would be safer, you know, versus right. right now. We'd, we've only had maybe collectively not even two weeks of below freezing temperatures combined and since the fall. The reverse is true, too, that as the spring warms up, which it will in the next month or two, then the grass, the Bermuda, and the zoysia will come out and will green up at different Different rates, one will green up earlier than the other. And that's another thing you always are looking forward to is when it greens up enough that you can spread fertilizer because you don't put fertilizer out until it's about 80 or 90% green. Otherwise, you're just sort of wasting your time in fertilizer. So you look at the grass and see when it, when it greens up, and that's going to be temperature related as well. <sighs> it's, that's stuff. a lot to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, you know, one more, let's give it another whack for the Georgia Weather Network. Because oh, that yes. tells us all a lot of stuff. Not all we need to know, but a lot of stuff we need to know. The website is called georgiaweather.net, and it is a collection of 60, 70 maybe weather stations all over the state. And if you go to it online, georgiaweather.net, you can choose a station near your house, and it'll tell you exactly what the, what, what the soil temperature is, what the air temperature is, how much rain you got last week, all sorts of things. And it'll graph it for you, follow cool it's been and what it's predicted to be for the next month, chilling hours for peaches. They got all sorts of things on there, but georgiaweather.net for me is really handy to tell when to put up pre-emergent, when to when it's 80% green just about because it's been in the 60s and 70s for a week or so. Especially yeah. when you need to know soil temperature. I mean, how else would you determine that, you know? so Our number is 404-872-0750. That's the number that Susan in Lithia Springs dialed a few minutes ago. Morning, Susan. How are you? Good morning. How are you? We're great. I'm going to miss hearing you. Well, I'll still be here. That's the that's I'm, the deal. I'm not totally retiring. I'll be partially in the studio, partially out of the studio, and doing things during the during the year. But Ashley will be in charge more than me. Will I be in think she'll do a great job as well. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I have the pink purple muley grass. Oh yeah. That has been really pretty up until this cold snap, and I would like to find out when is the best time to prune it back so that it comes back more green than it did this past year. As soon as as soon as it gets light this morning, that's the best time, Susan. So okay. as soon as you've got so, time to go out and cut it back, now to, it's fine. It's brown. It's dead, or not dead, but the top of it's dead, and right. so prune it back now. It's fine. Okay. So. Um, I saw a video where a lady had tied it up, and she cut it about a foot, uh, where there was about a foot left. Is that about right, you think? I was just going to recommend that, Susan. So with that, and also the same could be said for pampas grass as well, Mm, you know, like cutting it back to maybe, yeah, between like 12 and 18 inches high, I think is sufficient. But especially pampas grass, too, is so much more dangerous. It's so dense and the sharp you know, blades and mm-hmm. things like that. So I just read something the other day about taking duct, duct tape yeah, and just gathering, you know, por- parts in your hand, duct tape, and that'll make it easier and more manageable for you to get in there and cut it okay. back. So absolutely, yeah, I, I would stick with 12 to 18 yeah. inches back Rope to the ground. And, same thing, but again, what you're trying to do is just gather the grass mm-hmm. blades together so they're manageable. And pampas grass, is, as you said, is razor Ooh. sharp. Yeah. Muley yeah. grass, not so much. Muley grass is beautiful. I yeah. bet you really love having that. I do. We yeah. were at the beach, Jack Wyland, and I saw it. 
And I said, I want that around my pool. <laughs> yeah. Gotta have yeah, it. Yeah. Yes, it's gorgeous. Susan, I read yes day before yesterday now a article about new forms of muligrass, and huh. one that I thought was real curious and interesting to me was one that doesn't wait until the fall to turn purple. It has the oh. purple and those airy seed heads that make it so beautiful. That it starts doing that in late July and early August. So it's really before you really begin to enjoy the normal muley grass like you have. Okay. I may have to check into check that. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. Thank you. It's fun talking Y'all to you, Have a Susan. great Saturday. You, you too. too. 404-872-0750 gets you in this morning at 648. We'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Lawn and Garden with Walter Reeves and Ashley Frasca and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellis and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter and Ashley. Thank you, Scott. Who knew? Scott works on Saturdays, too. (laughs) A quick weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. Good news today, a chance to dry out. A lot of you have plans. There's a lot of birthday parties going on today or kids' sporting events, so a mix of sun and clouds. High, though, in the upper 40s. You still want to bundle up just a bit. Lows tonight reaching the low 30s. And tomorrow, back to a 40% chance of maybe evening showers, partly to mostly cloudy throughout the day tomorrow. High of 53 and a low of 42. Kirk Mellish comes along with your complete weather forecast in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. And it's 6.55. Karen in Noonan joins us. Hey, Karen, good morning. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Hi. I'm sorry I'm at the drive <laughs> we, we surprised you, Karen. Can I get the number three with the medium caramel McFrappe? Ooh, Ooh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, that happens on live radio all the time. Give me one, two, Karen, if you will. Ashley, make it three. Three is fine. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. So I have a question about um, planting in the summertime. My house faces west. Yeah. So it seems like every time I put flowers down or. It just dries out, and Uh, and we water, and we put the fertilizer down, and it just never seems to last. It just dries out. A couple of things that would come to mind is, one, how do you prepare the soil? How do you dig the soil? What do you put in the soil before you plant anything there? Um, Yeah, well, we use the the fertilized-rich soil. Okay. And... You know, I'm I'm very adamant about getting out the the hard dirt and Good. all of that out of the way, the rocks and all that. Good. And um, you know, we use the fertilized soil, and the death. You know, I just it doesn't matter what I do. I, maybe I just don't have that green thumb. But no, it doesn't matter about green thumb. <laughs> it matters about selection and preparation. Yeah, and newly planted things, you have to baby just a little bit more. So that's your responsibility to, you know, get out there with a watering can or get out there with the hose if the hose is convenient to that side of the house. And, you know, being a little religious to a point, you know, weekly just checking the water and and the moisture of the soil and making sure those things get watered if it hasn't rained. But, you know, giving them a chance to really get established too. And, And maybe it is the selection of the things you're, you're putting in. I mean, yeah, you, what are some things we can give her that are heat and drought tolerant. Daylilies. Daylilies will work fine in the heat and drought. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, coneflower would do fine in heat and drought. What have you tried that hasn't worked, Karen? Well, well, the only thing, like you said, are the lilies. They, they come back furiously, and my yeah. husband's always trying to get rid of them. <laughs> well, well, we need to put him in a but, different direction. And roses? Yeah. Roses would yeah, be good. Sure, roses would work yeah, fine I even there. Put the, 
Yeah, I tried the rose bush and, and it so maybe it's something in our in our soil and or the no, birds or the squirrels. No, 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 nothing in the soil. It's, I think Ashley is probably closer to the truth than anybody here, and that is be regular about watering. Roses in particular okay. and any other plants you put in, but roses have a reg- relatively large root system and watering once a week might not be quite enough for a rose. So yeah, uh-huh. I would definitely keep an eye on a rose and make sure you get watered regularly enough to keep the soil moist, not soggy. I think that'd be the way to do it. Good selection, good soil preparation, religious watering. And having a good watering can. Every gardener yeah. just needs a good, simple, easy watering can, and that'll you'll see it, and that reminds you to water. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.